I would do almost anything to get into your brain. When we were born, I wrote you a song. To me, you will always forever be my new baby brother. I sang, and now, as if I cursed us, you are. At two years old, you had your first seizure. Eyes rolled back in your head, unearthly scream, then unconsciousness. I was ten. I remember life before that, before night after night of lying awake, listening to you shriek as if the shadows were feasting on your leaky gut. I remember a time before my sympathetic tears dried, before I learned to sleep through your pain. At four, after two years of mom's desperate pounding on doctor's doors, they finally gave you the label. People who don't need labels hate them, but people whose packages have gotten lost in the mail, people who are looking for missing children on library bookshelves, mothers who burn the incandescent light bulbs dim night after night, red-eyed over pop medicine books about vaccines and diets and applied behavioral analysis. People like us need labels to help us sort out what we're looking for. Four. That was the year we taught you to recite that prayer for yourself. Dear God, thank you for the food. Help me talk. Amen. That was the year 30 hours a week of therapy looked like it might pay off. You ascended into four-word sentences. You memorized your address, your name, your favorite foods. We dieted with you. I learned to make cookies from fart-smelling garbanzo bean flour because we couldn't eat wheat anymore. I sat hour after hour in your room, shadowing your therapist, believing that I could help save you. I was there for your third seizure when you fell out of your chair, and I tried to catch you. I was there when we were home alone, and I found you at the bottom of the stairs, and you screamed the death scream from that horror movie, and as you screamed and screamed, I gripped your shoulders and sobbed and screamed back. Why? Because I was just a little girl, and I could see monsters reflected in the terror in your eyes, but when I turned around to look behind me, above me, where you were looking and screaming, I saw nothing. Since that day, I've been terrified of nothing. Five, six, seven, I was there when you leapt off your bare feet as if the floor was live coals, and in your shuddering and animal-like scrambling, only mom could comfort you. She rolled you back and forth on the carpet until your skin became invisible fireproof. The first time I ever stayed up until 3 a.m., I stayed with her, for you, filing papers for your court case until we collapsed, because the school didn't care about finding you. The school won and lost. They lost because in the end they had to pay for your therapy, like the law said. They won because the end was three years later, and by that time, the window to your brain had closed. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, you know why I'm a nervous wreck my friends can't understand? Because I've seen a child lose hope. Children don't lose hope. Old men with beards reeking of alcohol and sheets stained with urine. Soldiers who can't forget the intimacy of stabbing a man. Women whose breasts sag after years of slavery. They lose hope. But I was there when you lost hope. When you stopped struggling with the therapist, stopped stretching for the words to break the barrier between us. When the light went out in your opaque brown eyes and you retreated into the darkness behind them. I saw you give up. On us. On you. You lost your last name. Your sentences. Everything in the prayer but dear God. Guess you kept the important part. Your frustrated tears dried. You only laugh at me now. So I moved away. Stop making your disease the center of all my school projects and never took a year off to spend that therapy training on you. My therapists don't know why I hate myself. Fourteen, today. You're a baby, just like in my song. Silent, except when you scream or cackle to push our faces away. Arms as thin as sticks, because you only use them to tear books or dangle lint in front of your nose or 
line up socks on the floor and you don't play with us. You said your first word to dad 12 years ago today. You still don't use it. 14 and taller than me. The breeze over the tennis court ruffles your curly blonde hair as we run laps together, your hands flapping like wings as you giggle and screech. Here you and I are both free. Here I can laugh for no reason like you, and it doesn't matter that I'm a grown-up because you won't tell Peter Pan. Here you can run as fast as you want because there aren't any cars, and it doesn't matter that you used to jimmy the locks and run out to the highway at 6 a.m. in your PJs like you wanted to get mom and dad arrested. Here on the shaded tennis court, there aren't any policemen or social workers or random church friends who say you have demons or that our mixed race causes autism. I slumped down on the green asphalt out of breath, staring at you from under my sweaty bangs. I realized that you are Peter Pan. I wonder if I could have saved you. You laugh and yank me to my feet, and finally for just a moment I am in your brain. You just want to run with me. You will never hate me for failing you. You didn't ask to be saved. You babble something incoherent, and I know we alone understand each other. We hold hands, we tilt back our heads, and the whole world shudders as we scream. The end. Thank you for listening to this episode of Death and the Doctor. I'm Jen Finelli, the licensed physician voice behind um, the series. Mental health care is very important to me because of the only personal trauma that I have dealt with and because of the impact I've seen on my patients. So if you or a loved one are at risk, um, the phone number for the suicide helpline is 1-800-273-8255. Or for the crisis text line, you can text HOME, that's H-O-M-E or Hotel Oscar Mike Echo, to 741-741 in the U.S. or 686-868 in Canada. I also went ahead and along with the emergency um, exit podcast network, we've gone ahead and affiliated with betterhelp.com. In these current times, it can be difficult to go out to find a therapist and a lot of times people's insurance doesn't always cover what they need. There are cheap and affordable uh, therapist options at BetterHelp. And like I always tell my patients, if you need to fire your therapist and pick another one, you always can. You always should take care of picking the therapist that's best for you. But if you would like to take advantage of our 10% offer, um, we do have a special link for you at hasofferstracking.betterhelp.com slash s-h-d-y. That's hasofferstracking.com betterhelp.com slash s-h-d-y so that link is also going to be in the description of every episode so one more time in order to get 10% off of your teletherapy so that you can take care of yourself effectively um, please go to hasofferstracking.betterhelp.com slash s as in sierra h as in hotel d as in delta and y as in yankee and that's has offers tracking with an s I really hope that you find that helpful, and if not, do what you need to do to try to find care in the area near you. It's also always a viable option if you have a well-trained chaplain um, or you have a well-trained school counselor. Sometimes they can get you the help that you need as well. Every single person, whether a counselor or a pastor or a school counselor or a therapist, can sometimes be hit and miss because the evidence shows that the biggest thing that makes a difference 
for patients actually getting better is if you have a good rapport with the therapist. So if it's not working, get a different one. It's okay. A professional isn't going to be offended. What I like about being able to use betterhelp.com is you have an enormous network of therapists all over the world that you can use to help you out. Um, it is US-based company. And while I can't give you some kind of insurance referral or anything like that to them, this affiliate link is a great way to both support the show and do what you need to do to make sure that you're healthy to be able to help other people. Thank you very much for listening to the show and have good adventures. Adventures.